Metaxas Show with your host, Eric Metaxas. talking about you, Albin. Oh. You make me feel like an actual woman. Right back I at want, you, big I guy. I want you to know, and I, too, make you feel like an actual woman. Yeah. Isn't it a beautiful thing to be confused about what is a woman, to be ah. able to say that to each ah. other in love ah. and respect? Ah. No, so, so uh, yeah, so the reason we are singing that is because some transgender lobby is trying to shut down Aretha Franklin's song, you make me feel like a natural woman, which is this obviously wonderful song, famous song. But the, but the trans crazies, and I say that in love, they are displeased with the very notion mm. that there is such a thing as a natural woman. Yeah. You're going to have to take that up with reality. And I want to say one more thing. I am woman, hear me roar. Yes, and I do on occasion hear you roar, roar. Uh, in, in a womanly way. Oh. And I want to say that... Uh, you need to see a doctor. Thank you. Okay, so, folks, we've got Albin. Yeah. You wrote an article at the stream mm-hmm. called January 6th was an inside job. I didn't know that you had written it. I thought Zmirak had written it, and I didn't read it because I was distracted this weekend. And then you reminded me, and you said, oh, no, I wrote that. I said, what? So I read it, and it was superb. And I said, Albin... Not only do I want to share this all over my social media, but I would like to talk to you about it on the program if you don't mind. I don't. And I don't think you do mind. So let's talk about this because when I read it, I said everything you say in this is important. And uh, I want to talk to the audience about it. So you can read it at stream.org. January 6th was an inside job. What is your thesis, sir? Well, my thesis is that uh, finally, of course, we're getting from the Congress, it looks like a real investigation into what happened on January 6th. And my whole article was about, well, when you look at January 6th and everything that happened there, you can't detach it from the election of November 3rd, 2020, because they are intimately tied together. It's just like I say in the article, when four days or whatever, three or four days after the election, uh, after they found enough votes, New York Times declared Joe Biden a winner. And I said to myself, I could come up with a dozen. I don't have to look at, uh, you know, uh, ballot stuffing and all that. I can come up with a dozen reasons why it's not possible he actually won the election. And I said, if I went to Washington, I wouldn't go because I think they stole the election. I would go because I knew they stole the election. Oh. I, I would say most of the people there said, I, that's why it says stop the steal. I know you stole it. It's not like I yeah. think. No, look, I... I w- we don't have time to get into this now, but I uh, will have Roger Stone on the program. I hope this week um, he wrote a book about the uh, JFK assassination. And in that book, OK, this is talking about the deep state of 55 years ago, 60 years ago. It is so disturbing to understand what has been going on beneath the surface, that, that there have been just corrupt, evil people, power mongers who could not care less about we the people, the little people that vote. When you when you come to terms with that, it's very disturbing. And it has never been out in the open in the way that it finally now is. And that is why on January 6th, 
all of these people, good people, fo- folks, okay? Like 99.9% of those people were, were good people, except for, you know, the, the deep state actors and the, and, the, and the people that were sent there. And I have to say that I understand why people don't buy that. I understand why people think that's a conspiracy theory. That's crazy. I get that. But I'm here to tell you that the more I've looked into it, the more I have seen that what you write about in this article, Albin, is – let's put it this way. It's at least true enough that if you bat it away, it's on you. In other words, there's enough information to lead you to believe what we're talking about. Yeah. And, I, and I know John Zmirek coming up right after us is going to talk more about this because – Tucker Carlson even brought it up a few nights ago, and that's part of John Zmirak's article coming up. But Tucker said, like, well, the permanent Washington, the deep state, of they, they do all of this, that all of this. And, and Tucker kept talking about how the deep state has been involved in staying in power for decades now, at least decades now, right? But the one thing Tucker didn't go to, it's like they'll do anything to stay in power except steal an election. That's one thing. They yeah, would they would do. never do that. Well, they wouldn't do they that. They would murder. Yeah. Sure. Who wouldn't, right? Well, of course. But stealing an election. Oh, no. That's like, you know, snitches get stitches. That's one thing you don't do in prison. You don't you don't squeal, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Well, in the deep state, one thing you don't do is you don't steal an oh, election. No. no, that's sacred. You let the people decide, boy. Okay, so, so um, what we're talking about is, you know, there, there are when we're talking about something like evil and corruption, you realize it, it, it's complicated. Part of it is greed. Part of it is po- wanting power. Part of it is whatever. So what happened with uh, when you talk about election fraud, we pretty much know that JFK's father, the unbelievably corrupt um, Joe Kennedy Sr., that he fixed the election in West Virginia and in Illinois with mob people with whom he'd been acquainted for decades because he was a bootlegger. And we know that. And this stuff has been going on and going on and going on. So this is really nothing new. Okay, we're going to go to a break. When we come back, I continue talking to Albin. We're going to announce the winners uh, and one other thing. uh, And then John Smira. Don't go away. Everything. So God bless you and thank you. Uh, Alvin, before I uh, continue my interview with you about your article at stream.org titled January 6th was an inside job, I want to remind people, please go to SalemNow.com, SalemNow.com, SalemNow.com. Why? Well, there's a ton of stuff there that you want to watch. We want to particularly highlight right now uh, a new movie about the Disney world, the, I mean, the Disney world about, about Disney as a corporation. It's called Walt's disenchanted kingdom. Uh, and it's about how Disney executives are purposely, I mean, very, very purposely. You get this, uh, you'll get this when you watch Walt's disenchanted kingdom, your children to their LGBTQ LMNOP agenda um, in their films, at the theme park, anybody who ever spends a dime, even in the direction of Disney at this point, you're complicit because what they're doing, it's, it's a very sad story of what happened to one of the greatest organizations in America. Disney was just one of the great mm-hmm. institutions in yeah. this nation as American and pro-American and wonderful as can be. Uh, and they are now the antithesis. I mean, they had slid. Uh, a lot of people think it's had slud. But it's not. It's had slid. They had slid or slidden from 
a great height for a long time. But where they are now, uh, you need to know Walt's Disenchanted Kingdom. You want to go to SalemNow.com. By the way, it's available for free. I don't know if I mentioned that. This is a free film at SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Walt's Disenchanted Kingdom. Okay, Albin. Yes, sir. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and again, tonight, premiering Socrates in the City with David Berlinski. That's tonight, 7 p.m. Go to Socrates in the City YouTube page. But, Albin, you wrote an article at stream.org. Mm-hmm. It's a great article. January 6th was an inside job. Let's continue that conversation before John Smirak interrupts. Yeah. Now, it, to me, what I'm saying in it, because there's one little title in there, it says Lights, Camera, Fabrication. Because we know that uh, Nancy Pelosi knew what was coming down to Washington, D.C. on January 6th. She had plenty of chances to get security in there, more than just the Capitol Police, right? Get National Guard, whatever you needed, right? She, she could do that, but she didn't. She wanted things to happen, and she wanted to use ordinary people, just like when I came like to New props. York. props. Yeah, like props or extras, background players in a movie. You need a bunch of people in the background to make it look real, to, to heighten the drama and say, like, wow, that's, that's actually happening. Wow. And so she was using, and you could see these videos are finally getting released. They're more and more, hopefully. You could see the people just milling around in the background. They're not tearing down statues. They're not screaming and yelling. They're not getting up in the cops' faces and saying, rah, 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 rah. They're, they're just, in fact, they're having some friendly conversations, if you see. But they're in the background, and it's like, whoa, look at all these people. And then the bad agents, and we don't know exactly who they are yet. Hopefully we'll get to the bottom of that. Uh, those guys are in the foreground creating havoc and making it looks like, and it was, unfortunately, you know, a murderous crowd. But the murder, the death of people, there were four people that actually died on that day, and all four of them were citizens and patriots. They were not police. I mean, again, for me, and I know people probably are just annoyed with me, but I always have to step back and say, what's the headline? The headline is our government. Think think of this, folks. Just Let's just think about this. Our government uh, is so out of touch with we the people, has become so anti-American in the fundamental sense of the founders' vision, that they think that they have the right to do things like this. Now, let's be clear. I was talking about the JFK assassination. J. Edgar Hoover, okay, another power-hungry bum. I mean, these people are just absolutely antithetical to the founders' vision, amassed unbelievable power in creating the FBI to go over to go after whom he chose. Now, most of that was good. The FBI did a lot of good work. We know that. But the idea of creating this organization that well, we're going to do what we can. If we don't like you, if we don't like you, Martin Luther King Jr., we're going to bug you. We're going to wiretap you. We're going to we're going to come after you. We're going to blackmail you. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Hoover did this to all kinds of political figures. The CIA, the same thing, uh, only worse. They're accountable to no one. OK. And over the years, this continues. And then finally, they realize, aha, we have an Adolf Hitler in our midst. His name is Donald Trump. We're going to use all of our power to make sure that the fascists who elected this bum are crushed, that he is crushed, that his agenda is not enacted. We are going to use everything we can. And January 6th, as you say in the article, January 6th was an inside job. It was, it was the, the ultimate because they basically said, here we have an opportunity 
to so demonize our enemies that this this is it doesn't get better than this. Yeah. But you kind of wonder who who was in the rooms having these conversations. These are wicked people. Yeah. There's anti-American uh, anti-freedom, anti-human, really. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they don't care about the little, the little when, guy. When I was in college, there was one of those uh, morality uh, questions. If you knew this baby that was just born was going to grow up and be Adolf Hitler and kill six million Jews and start World War II and all that, would you kill that baby? And you yeah. had to make the decision. Would I do that to that right. little, little baby there? Yeah. And so this is what they were telling us for four years. Donald Trump is Hitler. Donald Trump is Hitler. Donald... But then they said... But we're not going to do anything about it. We, we tried to get rid of him. Look, we the people, even though they, they don't know he's Hitler, they're going to vote him back into office. We're not going to do anything. So that's why the original uh, article, when I submitted it, I called it direction and misdirection. Because they were misdirecting us away from what the January 6th was really about. If, if we stopped and let it go through and there was nobody killed and they didn't make a... Then people sitting at home watching would say, like, well, maybe, maybe there was a steal and maybe I should look into it. I, I don't think things were on the up and up. But they misdirected. So even today, we talk about January 6th, and we don't talk about November 3rd and three or four days after while they... It was, again, I want to recommend that you read the article, January 6th was an inside job by Albin Sadar. That's you. That's me. Uh, at stream.org. It's an important article because, I mean, I, I, I talked about this with Zmirak uh, yes. in a few minutes. Uh, the basic idea is that we need to really understand... What happened? And I understand. I want to say I understand it's hard. It's challenging for us to process that our government would be capable of this level. But this is what we have to face. And what you do in the article, Albin, as you lay it out really clearly, is that they knew that if there's a peaceful protest with, you know, a million plus people who came to D.C. to say we object, we think something's wrong. It, it sure looks like something's wrong. If if that goes off without a hitch, that's going to be very bad for the incoming Biden administration. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to use this as an opportunity to completely upend the narrative, to strip, to 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 take over the narrative and to basically say these people are monsters. Look what they've done. Uh, and we're not going to tell you that we helped them to uh to do it in fact that they didn't do it that we did it i mean it's so dark anyway uh albin thank you stream.org uh we'll be back both hours john's mirac looking out on the morning rain i used to folks we uh, we warned you so i mean we uh we, we told you that john's mirac would be our guest on the program and because some of you have been very bad, I'm sorry, we have to punish you, okay? Justice is justice. we got to do it. Uh, we're bringing John as, on as my guest for, for a significant amount of time, because some of you have been really bad. John, welcome to the program, and thank you for being the punishment uh, to the particularly bad listeners on this program. Well, the Lord loves those whom he chasteneth, right? <laughs> and if I were Protestant, I, I would know where that comes from. Uh, okay, so look. Um, the, uh, the article that you just wrote at stream.org, first of all, let's start with the title, please. Sure. America was founded by conspiracy realists like Tucker Carlson. Okay. God, uh, and I'm not kidding, prepared me for this interview in an extraordinary way, this conversation with you. 
because I've spent the last uh, few days, I spent this weekend in uh, Danbury, Connecticut, uh, reading Roger Stone's book on how LBJ was principally involved in the conspiracy to murder John F. Kennedy Jr., Wow. President of the United States. Uh, sorry, John F. Kennedy, uh, the president of the United States. It is so dark, so sick, the evil of this government, of the CIA, of of the, the power monger LBJ, of the power monger Herbert, uh, uh, Herbert Hoover, forgive me, uh, J. Edgar Hoover, who headed up the FBI. These are wicked people. And when you want to know the depth of where we are now, you have to understand this has been going on for a little while. And I know in your article at stream.org, you reference uh, what Tucker talked about. And I know for a fact that Tucker got a lot of this information from, from Roger Stone. So for people who wonder what we're talking about, why don't you tell them? Sure. L last Friday night, Tucker Carlson gave us maybe the most important 12 minutes of television in decades, maybe since the moon landing, uh, where he talked about permanent Washington and how we have an elite oligarchy class, an oligarchy that works through the media, that can weaponize street mobs, thugs like the Black Lives Matter and Antifa rioters, that can use the federal government's prosecutory abilities as it's using against the January 6th defendants and pro-lifers nationwide. It is what, what I and political theorists call anarcho-tyranny. Means anarchy for me and tyranny for thee. It's a, it's a strategy that the Nazis pioneered uh, in the late 20s, early 30s, the Nazis had street mobs, the brown shirts, the SA, who would get in street fights with their political opponents. They would break up their speeches, break up their events, stop them from speaking on campus. Does this sound familiar? Uh, if people defended themselves, like the socialists had a militia called the Iron Circle, the Catholics had a militia, they tried to defend themselves against the brown shirts. The cops would come in and arrest everyone, and then the judges who sympathized with the Nazis would let the Nazis go with a slap on the wrist and send everyone else to prison. Does this sound familiar to anybody from 2021? I mean, this is, again, when, when I um, wrote my book, Letter to the American Church, people have to get their heads around. It's hard to swallow that you and I, in different ways, very related, are talking about comparisons to the rise of the Nazis in Germany. Folks, right. we are not exaggerating. It is a tough pill to swallow, but you better get ready to swallow this pill because this is the reality. And if, unless you understand the reality, which John brilliantly writes about in his article, which I put out on Twitter the, uh, yesterday, you cannot possibly process and comprehend why everything is so crazy. And by the way, you also can't figure out what your job is in fighting it. You need, we need to fight this, but we need to understand it first. So, John, your article is beautiful. It's at stream.org. Please continue. Thank you. Now, by the way, I just want to explain. I always compare evil things where appropriate to the Nazis rather than the communists because people don't care about communism. They don't care that Mao killed 60 million people, that Stalin killed 40 million people. They don't care. So compare the left to the Nazis all the time. 
compare them to the Klan, compare them to white racists, because they are like them. They are totalitarian, they are brutal, they are thugs, but you need to use rhetoric that actually affects them. And in their tiny little minds, the only bad things that ever happened were the Holocaust, slavery, and Jim Crow. Those are the only bad things that ever happened. So you have to compare everything to those. Well, conveniently, the comparisons are utterly apt. You're not stretching, you're not Not reaching. Unfortunately, or fortunately, this is the grim reality in which we find ourselves. But but here's the key for Tucker to cover this yes, on huge. Friday while I was reading Roger Stone's book dealing with the same concept. Yeah. It's kind of freaky to me. But I have to say that the idea that someone of the stature of Tucker Carlson is talking about this, ladies and gentlemen, that is called a reason to be hopeful. Yeah, I used to dismiss the JFK conspiracy theories. I would argue that it was suicide just to mess with people. <laughs> but well, you're, just, you're just crazy. Yeah. All right, folks, but, we've but, got plenty, plenty more uh, with, with John Zmirak, uh, plenty more. Uh, I want to tell you there's no substitute for reading the article. Please go to stream.org. Or you can just go to my Twitter feed uh, or any of my social media. It's a very, it's an important article, and it's important that you share it, please. That you share this conversation, but that you share that article. We'll be right back. We're talking to John Smirak at the Sierra Taxes Show. Talking to John Smirak. John, uh, your article at stream.org is unfortunately extremely important. So I want to tell everybody who can to go to stream.org and to share that article as widely as you possibly can. If you need help, you can just go to my Twitter feed and you can retweet it. But I'm telling you, it's important. John and I are talking about it uh, for for quite a while today because it, it requires uh this kind of discussion so john continue please if you're talking to somebody who thinks we still live in a free country tell them to write a letter to the peaceful protesters who trespassed at the capitol on january 6th who uh after years of cruel mistreatment are now begging to be transferred to guantanamo bay because they want to be treated as humanely as the rapists and killers of ISIS, who are getting treated better than the people who are accused of unlawful parading and trespassing at the Capitol on January 6th. If you if you are talking to somebody and they say, oh, America's free, well, you're, you're just crazy, you're an alarmist, tell, tell the fairy tale about what a free country this is to members of our military who got kicked out of the ranks and stripped of their pensions, dishonorably discharged because they wouldn't take the dead baby vaccine, which they knew they didn't need and suspected wasn't safe. Or the who lost their jobs rather than get injected with vaccines made from or tested on organs stolen out of the still living bodies of babies who were aborted, which is all the COVID vaccines. Or tell it to the to the kid to the people whose parents died alone 
in nursing homes behind plastic sheeting without visits from from them, without visits from clergy, without Christian burial, but were mass incinerated as bio-waste the way they do shelter pets and unborn babies, all because of COVID, because Democrat governors dumped The last piece of horror that you mentioned, I had not heard that or I've not really processed that. Yes. That some of them were not given a proper burial. None of them were. They were collected as biohazards because they because they were infected with COVID and they were burned the way unborn babies from abortion clinics get burned. And these are the people who Democrat governors murdered by dumping COVID patients at nursing homes in order, I think, to spite the death statistics to justify a state. Oh, no, no, no. There's no question that that's correct. A state of emergency justify states of emergency where they could seize guns, as Cuomo tried to do in New York. He he tried to cite the COVID emergency to seize New Yorkers' guns. Uh, In Michigan, Whitmer used it to unconstitutionally lock everyone in their homes. The Supreme Court of her state later ruled what she did was illegal. I wonder, she should go to prison for that. Andrew Cuomo should be in prison. Every one of Gavin Newsom, all these blue state governors who murdered thousands of Korean War veterans and grandmothers by dumping COVID patients in nursing homes for no rational reason, they should be in prison, not the people who took selfies at the Capitol on January 6th. Well, you're... You're saying things. We talked about these things many times on the program. To me, the headline is that Tucker Carlson really seems to get this and was yeah. talking about this on his program uh, just this last Friday. Yeah. That is that is a big deal. Because right, so what he was talking about, he was talking about the permanent Washington, the permanent government, the oligarchy. And if anybody wants to read a great book about this. Read Michael Anton. He was a, a writer for Trump administration. He's got a book called The Stakes. I don't know if you've never had him on, you, you should have him on. His book, The Stakes, is all about how we have a small self-appointed oligarchy that manipulates the masses in order to agglomerate more and more and more power in defiance of the U.S. Constitution. The way they do it is through the deep state. And Tucker Carlson laid this out. Four days into the Trump administration, there was a deep state coup d'etat. Trump had chosen Mike Flynn to oversee the deep state, to oversee the NSA and the FBI and the CIA, and to clean up the swamp. They took out Michael Flynn. They manufactured a fake crime. Mike Pence collaborated in this. He told Trump Flynn needed to to resign. So he was in on it. Uh, They took out Mike Flynn so that there would be nobody overseeing the deep state. Then they got Jeff Sessions to recuse himself. Then they were able to manufacture the Russia collusion hoax to cripple the Trump administration. Poor Donald Trump thought we still lived in a free country, bless his heart. The president of the United States could not stand up to the deep state. What chance do you and I have? Now, we now listen, only- yeah. this is what, uh, again, and we'll have Roger Stone on the program, uh, I hope, this week. But his book uh, on the Kennedy assassination and, and how LBJ really was at the forefront of it, it's astonishing, folks. And again, it's part of the bigger narrative here. Uh, uh, the, the the bigger, the biggest narrative is that there are people like me waking up 
to these things. In, in other words, we've been able to live our lives thinking, well, there's something to that and there's something to that, but I don't want to look at it too closely. And, you know, there's all, all these ideas, but it is finally emerging now, now, right now, we are beginning to see the horror. And for, for years, you could live in America and think, well, you know, George W. Bush, he might not be perfect, but he's sort of a, on the same side uh, as I am. And you, things have happened so that um, what has been going on for years is being exposed. And so, John, again, that to me is the headline, is that th this is not Alex Jones talking about it. This is Tucker Carlson talking about it. We are now seeing more and more people who are paying attention unable to avoid the clear the, the, these things that are that are, that are becoming so clear that I mean, to me is big news john that, it is, that's news it is big news but the point of my article at stream.org is to show that conspiracies to seize power against the will of the people are nothing new they in fact they are the one common thread of human history all governments tend to do this. They tend to fall into the hands of corrupt elites who abuse their power. That's what fallen men do because of original sin. And that's why St. Augustine is the most important figure for understanding politics and why we should be grateful that virtually all the American founders were Augustinians. Well, this is this is the whole point, is that once you understand the evil nature of human beings and power, you have to understand that our founding was unlike anything that happened in the history of the world and to keep the republic which we're losing quickly we have to get serious and we have to understand this we'll be right back plenty more with john's mirac I'm talking to John Smirak. John, you just laid out uh, again I, to me it's always about the what's the headline the headline is that what you write about in your article, since the beginning of time, human beings, sinners, uh, have used power to oppress others. That's the story of the world from the beginning of humanity until today. That's what human beings do. It is proof. If you need proof of the doctrine of original sin, our founders understood this and created a government of genuine freedom whereby it would be possible to work against that narrative all through the millennia. So, and, and in our history in the United States of America, it has been a battle over and over and over again because there have been people trying to undo what the founders made possible. And the latest example is what we're discussing. Right. So I think now we should step back and go in chronological order. Because what I what I argue in, in the piece at stream.org is America was founded by men who today would be dismissed as conspiracy theorists. The American founders were convinced that the British government, the parliament, the king, but especially the parliament, were trying to subjugate the colonies, which had previously been self-governing, and trying to subject them to tyranny and make them slaves. The, they were working with the British East India Company, which was even then enslaving India, taking the nation of India and making it basically a, a profit farm for one private company, the British East India Company. The Americans saw that starting to happen 
on the, the shores of the 13 colonies, and they started warning about it. They said, the Stamp Act, it's not that much money, but it opens the door to the parliament imposing taxes on us whenever the hell they want. The importation of tea, it actually lowered the price of tea, but it turned the tea, control of the tea trade over to the evil British East India Company, which was even then raping India. The American colonists were paranoid about the government. Imagine that. Imagine being afraid of the government. Well, let me talk about this. Yes, all human beings are fallen, whether they're in the government or out of the government. You're in a room full of people. There are six people there. One of them has a pistol. The other five don't. They're all fallen. You should be, you know, cautious with all of them. But the one with the gun is the one to keep an eye on. That's the government. The government is the one with the gun. The government is the one that can imprison you at gunpoint. So, yes, the government should be held to special scrutiny, and it should be watched very carefully. Because when men, when a man has a gun, his fallen nature is suddenly much more relevant than it was before. Well, because, of course, he has power. This is That's the right. point, folks. Power sure. uh, is the antithesis of the agape love uh, that's t talked about in the Bible. It's the antithesis of it. Um, and we really need to understand this. And so John and I will continue uh, into hour two discussing this article because we really, really, really need to understand. Everybody in America, everybody who cares, needs to understand how we got here uh, and the history of this. And John, uh, when we come back, Let's get into this chronologically. Uh, we we, we want to talk about, again, the anomaly of the founders. The reason the founders and the founders' vision is being demonized today uh, is because they've been heroes for, you know, whatever, 250 years or close to it. Now we have to paint them as the enemy because their vision kept us free or at least enabled us to stay largely free and to fight against this kind of thing uh, until very recently. So we're really in a kind of a death match right now. Uh, folks, I'm talking to John Zmirak. It's the Eric Metaxas Show. I want to remind you, please go to ericmetaxas.com, scroll all the way down, sign up for the newsletter so we can stay in touch with you and send you videos of these interviews. Uh, we'll be right back with John Zmirak for hour two. You're the key to my peace of mind. Welcome to Hour 2. We're talking to our friend John Zmirak. And John, uh, once again, you've written an article at stream.org. I put it on all of my social media because I want as many people as possible to read it, to print it out, to forward it, to share it. Ladies and gentlemen, you have a role in spreading the truth. I say this all the time, but I'm going to be much more um, uh, of a badgerer about it. You have a job to do to share these things. If we don't begin to share with our fellow Americans, I mean, there are plenty of people that are not really, uh, it's it's not that they're against us. It's just that they're doing nothing. They kind of act like, well, everything's sort of right. fine. Right. And well, we fine. need to get them to understand, no, uh, right. things are not fine. And the reason things are not fine is because you're sitting on your rear end and not even paying attention That's right. and not doing anything about I it. Wanna so be, I want to be the rabid Yorkie. Yeah, let you know that the wolf is at the door. 
the the rabid Yorkie to let you know the wolf is at the door. That's beautiful, John. Thank That's you. I'm a, I'm a poet and I don't even know it. All right, so we're going back. The American founders were students of classical Roman history and of the Bible and of English history. <laughs> they and also students of Machiavelli. They had all read Machiavelli. They they didn't see him as an instructional manual. They saw him as a warning. They knew Western history. They knew the doctrine of original sin. Nine, more than 90% of the American founders were Orthodox Christians. There were just a couple of deists floating around. It's a myth propagated by the ACLU that America was founded by deists. America was founded mostly by Calvinists. It was founded by, by Presbyterians, by people who believed in St. Augustine's doctrine of original sin. That is, they were skeptical of human nature, suspicious of people with power. You know what that's called? That's called being wise. Yes. They had genuine wisdom. They understood history to such a great extent that they could, with wisdom, look at how things went wrong again and again and again and what ways it might be possible uh, to cut against this and to create a republic where people govern themselves. So we have to be very clear what an anomaly this was in history. Many, many things led to it, but it finally happened. That's right. So when the founders first decided that Britain was imposing a tyranny on them, they they started spreading the word and getting people activated and getting people angry. And they created the first Continental Congress and they started collecting guns and gunpowder and cannons. And in 1775, the battles of Lexington and Concord were all about the government trying to take guns away from the people. OK, hang on. Let's be clear in case anybody's not tracking, folks. All right. You can read about this in my uh, book uh, uh, is uh, sorry uh, if you can keep it. But what John just said, the battles of Lexington and Concord, April 1775, the British were marching to Lexington and Concord to take away the guns. Let's not forget about that. I usually do forget about that, John. So I'm really glad you you framed it this way. Every government attempt to ban guns, we should treat as like Lexington and Concord, every last one. The time to use your guns is on the people trying to come take them away, because guess what? That's your last chance. The American colonists knew this. Well, they successfully fought the Revolutionary War, and they set up the, the Articles of Confederation with the first system of government. It was actually too weak. Then they con convened a constitutional convention, and they set up our system of government, which people like James Madison, Kraft, and Alexander Hamilton, you know, the, we have the Federalist Papers that chronicle how it was worked out. They developed our system of government based on a careful study of where historical regimes had gone wrong, where monarchies had gone wrong, where democracies had gone wrong. And they purposely set up a government that would frustrate itself, that would trip over its own feet, where the president pulled against the Congress who pulled against the courts. They, they, they were, in modern terms, paranoid about the abuse of power. They set up each, system, each branch of government to frustrate the other two so that they would be in tension at all times so that nobody could become a dictator. And John, and by the way, we have to again say what they pulled off is so magnificent. It is hard 
not to believe that God's hand was in it. Because in, in when you look at the sweep of history, this was never supposed to happen. This is not something that really ought ever to have happened. The idea that they pulled it off, no one was more astonished uh, and aware of it than Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln, again, I write about him in my book, uh, uh, If You Can Keep It, but Lincoln really understood that what the founders had done and what we had in this country was just so extraordinary that 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 the only way that it could be destroyed would be from within, which is, of course, where the attacks have come from and where they're coming from today. So eventually you and I, I want to I want to go through them because right. in the article Let's you mentioned them. Go ahead. Yeah. OK. So, yes, we had this system of government set up with the three branches struggle against each other and the federal government struggles against the state governments. They're all in tension together. It's, it's this Rube Goldberg apparatus set up intentionally to restrict the power of the state over individual Americans and their families and their churches. A magnificent, rare, almost unique historical creation. The only precedents are things like Switzerland. Um, <clears throat> and immediately, of course, fallen human nature starts to chafe against it. Corrupt elites start to try to frustrate and corrupt and pervert the system. But the, sl the slave power between like 1830 and 1860, the slave-owning elites of the South were the first, I think, arguably the first elite conspiracy to corrupt the political system. They used their power in the Senate to frustrate all progress in terms of settling the West, unless they could spread slavery and spread slavery further and further West, even though slavery was meant to die out. It was supposed to die out. Jefferson, Washington, all thought it was an institution that would wither away. The slave power, the wealthiest elites of the Southern states who owned vast plantations worked by slaves, they insisted on extending slavery further and further to the West. They wanted it in California. And as we saw during the Civil War, they wanted to capture Cuba and conquer Mexico and reintroduce slavery. They wanted to go down to Brazil. They wanted a huge slave empire. So we had the elites of the South basically fooled the people of the Southern states into seceding from the Union, and we had a civil war. The next great elite conspiracy was the progressive movement around the turn of the 20th century. People like Woodrow Wilson. Woodrow Wilson was an academic at Princeton writing books about how the Constitution was outdated and useless, how we learned from Darwin and Nietzsche and German secular philosophy that Restrictions on the power of the state were counterproductive. Our constitution was like a creaky old horse and buggy from 1776, and we needed to get rid of it and replace it with a steam train that would go forward and forcibly change the American people to suit the ideas of its elites. Woodrow Wilson maneuvered us into the First World War, which we should never have been in, and used the First World War as a pretext to introduce the income tax, to put his political opponents in prison. Do you know, during the First World War, if you came out and said, I don't think we should be in this war, you would go to prison for years. I have, I've president, never heard that. The, the biggest labor leader in America, Eugene Debs, was in prison for years 
for opposing the First World War. Not only that, they started wiping out, they wouldn't allow German to be taught in the schools. They started closing German restaurants and German cultural clubs. It was a totalitarian move in America during World War I with the frenzy of war and patriotism whipped up. Uh, President, Will President Woodrow Wilson you had his attorney general raiding political meetings. Excuse me. Um, we've got plenty of time left with John's Mirac. Folks, we'll be right back. Folks, welcome back. Talking to John Smirak about his article at stream.org, which I put all over my social media, and I hope you will share. This is very important information. We need to understand how our government is supposed to work on the founders' vision and how elites have, through uh, the decades, through the centuries now, uh, been trying to undo it. We're dealing with that now. And, John, you're giving us the history you yeah. just mentioned uh, Woodrow Wilson and the, and progressives, the progressives trying to undo the founders' vision. Folks, this is over 100 years ago. They saw the Constitution as this relic, this old, creaky thing that got in the way of the best people using the power of the federal government to improve the American people. Improve the people, for instance, through eugenics laws. In the 1920s, people like Margaret Sanger promoted eugenics laws that forcibly sterilized more than 60,000 Americans for failing culturally biased IQ tests written by wasps. So Italian and Jewish immigrants would come in and they'd be given IQ tests that were written by people who went to Groton and Choate. And they wouldn't know what some of the words meant because, you know, they were referring to like, oh, your tea cozy and your croquet mallet. And they didn't know what these things were. So they failed the IQ tests. And of course, lots of black Americans failed those biased IQ tests, and 60,000 of them were forcibly sterilized by the government. The last ones were sterilized in the 1960s under eugenics laws. Margaret Sanger proposed the American Baby Code in 1934 to be part of the New Deal, that every American couple who wanted to have children would have to apply for a license from the federal government for each child they wanted to have. This impulse to have of corrupt arrogant elites trying to control the lives of ordinary Americans. This goes way back. And our system of government was set up to frustrate it. But each time we had a crisis, each time we had a war, that was another excuse for the federal government to grab more power. During World War II, the whole economy was militarized. Everything was organized for the war effort. But they didn't strip all that back after the war. You still had the massive bureaucracy and you had the deep state. You had the, the CIA was created, the FBI was enlarged. Now, this is a quote from somebody you and I usually like, William F. Buckley Jr. He spent time in the CIA. He had been at Yale, he'd been in Skull and Bones, he went into the CIA, which was full of Yaleys and Bonesmen, and then he founded National Review. Well, one thing he said in the early 50s really shocked me when I read it. He said, in order to fight the totalitarian system of communism, we may have to accept something like a totalitarian system here in America in order to defeat communism. Yeah. Now, I can't believe that Buckley said that. That's yeah. horrifying. It's a real and quote. 
And again, folks, when you're talking about human beings like William F. Buckley, we can't deify these people. Some of our greatest heroes, Martin Luther uh, among them, were quite flawed. Uh, I'm saying in my case, uh, because I, I wrote a biography of him, you realize we're, what we're concerned with here is the truth, what is right and true, and not everybody gets it right all the time. So it's interesting to me even that the somebody... Haps, even the Habsburgs weren't perfect, I have. <laughs> so, inside joke. Okay, so, so um, John, when you're well, let's talking... Continue. To... Let's continue. The CIA yeah. was created to stop communism, but it ended up spying on Americans, wiretapping their phones, experimenting in mind control. Those of you who heard of MK Ultra, they would take college students and they would say, you want to be in an experiment? You want to make some money? We just want you to fill out this survey. Here, have a drink of water. And there was LSD in the water. Uh, the, the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski, went crazy because he was a subject in one of those mind control experiments. That's where he went off the rails because he was given LSD without his knowledge. Imagine getting an LSD trip without even knowing that I, you were- I just want to say that, um, you know, folks, again, what we're talking about this is true, and we are responsible for this information. It's a lot of this stuff is finally coming out in a way that we can all process. Uh, thanks to Tucker Carlson talking about it uh, last Friday. John has written about it at stream.org. But it's vital we understand this. And, John, when you talk about um, the, this larger narrative, um, I don't remember in the article if you mention uh, J. Edgar Hoover creating the FBI. Well, the, and the FBI was created largely to deal with the side effect of prohibition. Prohibition, another attempt by elites to control the behavior of ordinary Americans. The same people who wanted to control whether or not you have children through eugenics also wanted to stop you from having a drink at the end of the day because they knew better. They wanted to set up public schools intended to cure children, to cure them of their parents' religion to take Catholic immigrants and turn them into liberal Protestants, to take fundamentalist conservative evangelicals and turn them into liberal Protestants. Excuse me. When we say liberal Protestants, we mean uh, secular cultural elites, people who do right. not believe in the Nicene Creed and the bodily resurrection and all right. that kooky stuff that goes along with being an actual Christian. Right. They wanted to turn them into post-Christian liberal liberal elites. And, and if you read Harvey Mann, one of the creators, Horace Mann, sorry, Horace Mann, one of the founders of the American public school system, he's quite explicit about that. We must save children from their parents because their parents are reactionaries, they're dogmatists. We have to introduce science, Darwin, progress, evolution. It's our job to save kids from their own I mean, own you know, what's parents. so funny, John, is that even if you agreed with Horace Mann, uh, on the issues, right? Once someone says, not we need to convince the parents so that they will raise their children right, but that we need to divide the children from their parents, that's the moment the, the bells go off. And you say, wait a second, wait a second. We can disagree on things in America, but you're not talking about convincing adults. You are now talking about Forgetting Brain about those adults and working with their show. own children, which, of course, is what we're seeing increasingly right now. Of course, leftists don't have children. They're parasitical. They have to corrupt and groom and well, look, well, excuse children. Me. Whether they have children or not, the point is they're against the idea of the family right, and against these basic ideas. So we know 
Right. But I'm saying that even even if they have children, the point is they really don't believe in the concept of family. They're talking about power. And if you don't believe in the concept of family, l- l- why not destroy the family if it helps you gain power? So go ahead. Yeah. But also, statistically, secularists don't have children. They right. have to corrupt and pervert our children. Correct. Okay. So you have the CIA doing mind control experiments on Americans, assassinating Americans, tapping their phones. Coming around to the 1970s, the church committee exposes all this. And there's testimony in Congress, and they put all sorts of restrictions on the CIA. They cut it off from the FBI and the NSA. They, they try to put some control on the deep state. 9-11 happens, and immediately, oh, we we were hobbling our, our intelligence agencies. We were crippling them. We were blinding them. We have to pass the Patriot Act. The Patriot Act removes all those protections against the deep state and basically makes the deep state the fourth branch of government, not accountable to the other three, and in fact supreme over them. Okay, and I want to remind my audience that – I was totally guilty, totally suckered in by George W. Bush at the time. I remember uh, I had lunch with a crazy friend named John Zmirak who tried to help me understand this, but I was too stupid to understand this. And all these years later, I wake up as if from a dream and I realize, my Lord, John was right. And what's really interesting to me, John, and again, the good news is that People like me are waking up and repenting of our foolishness. But what's interesting to me is that somebody who was on the left, like Naomi Wolf, she was talking about this at the same time you were talking about it from the right, so to to speak. She was warning about it from the left, understanding that what George W. Bush was trying to do was unconstitutional. It was a bad idea. And son of a gun, here we are. And then the Obama administration, okay, first of all, in 2006, I was writing, don't give George W. Bush any power. You don't want Hillary Clinton to have in two years. Sure enough, Obama wins the election after John McCain basically throws it. Uh, and then Obama and his, and John Brennan and Eric Holder, they weaponized the intelligence community and the deep state against conservatives and against Christians. And they turned the FBI and the CIA and the NSA into a German, East German-style Stasi, a Russian-style KGB. And then by the time Donald Trump gets elected, it's so powerful, the president of the United States can't control it. We are right now in a position where... Not the president, not the courts, not the Congress. Nobody can control the deep state. Nobody. The only solution is to cut off all its funding, to close these agencies and start from scratch. But we have to understand what it is that we're up against. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this gets back to my conversation with Naomi Wolf from last week. We are up against satanic powers and principalities. This is not a political battle. This is good versus evil. This is serious. We need to understand how to fight the battle. We cannot do it in the flesh. We'll be right back. I've learned to live without Going by some different name Big, bright, shiny, yellow sun folks talking to john's mirak john we're talking about important stuff but it gives me joy 
that we are talking about this. It gives me joy that Tucker Carlson uh, is reporting on this. It gives me joy that you're writing about this and that I can talk about it with you on this program. Uh, it gives me joy that my friend Roger Stone uh, talks about this and has written about this. I was mentioning to you that on the very day that Tucker Carlson was talking about this last Friday on his program, I was reading Roger Stone's book, which he and I will discuss on this program, about the JFK assassination and the depth of evil. I mean, everything you're talking about here was in place then. The CIA, J. Edgar Hoover's FBI, the unbelievable corruption of LBJ. I mean, it's a staggering thing. And we cannot forget the power of the mafia and moneyed interests, everything arrayed against the presidency of, of, of JFK. And it seems obvious that when somebody says, you know what, I think I'd like to do something about these problems, they are a marked man in the way that Donald Trump has been since the day he rode down the escalator. So it all the, comes back. One of the really interesting things Tucker Carlson talked about was Nixon. Nixon was the most popular president in American history. A few low-level underlings did the Watergate break-in. And, so, and a lot of them were tied to the CIA. They'd been involved with the Bay of Pigs. Um, they basically set up the Nixon administration and implicated them in these petty crimes. And then Nixon foolishly covered them up. Nothing Nixon did with Watergate came anywhere close to what the FBI did to Martin Luther King Jr. while Kennedy was president. The FBI got audio tape and proof that Martin Luther King was cheating on his wife and with a lot of different women and sent him letters urging him to commit suicide. FBI urging Martin Luther King, commit suicide or we're going to expose your adultery. Nice guys. Under LBJ, the Gulf of Tonkin resolution was a lie. They cooked up a lie to get us into the Vietnam War. They made it up that North Vietnamese had shot at American ships. It wasn't even true. Johnson knew it was a lie, went before Congress and said it, and got authorization to forcibly draft hundreds of thousands of Americans and send them to fight all the way across the world. I mean, actually, John, when you talk about this, right, when I was reading Roger's book, I thought to myself, you know, there's a lot of this history that I'm so spotty on. And so when I'm finally looking a little more closely and realizing like, oh my goodness, J, uh, LBJ really, really, really made the war in Vietnam the nightmare that it was. He did it in large part to placate moneyed interests, people who were making money off of the helicopters and off of the, and when you see it, it's like some liberal fantasy. You know, you think like, oh, Halliburton, whatever. And then you realize, yeah, except here's the problem. It's true. It is as evil as it gets. And and by going through the history with you, uh, and we'll do it, uh, you know, again and again, well, here's, here's we're helping people understand how all of this happened. And we've and been you, blind to it. If you want to know how the left, how campuses got so radical and how America became so divided, the Vietnam War was what did it. All of a sudden, you could be plucked out of your, your nice American life and sent to die in a jungle in Southeast Asia for a war that was utterly futile on behalf of a corrupt government that nobody supported. You, you might just get killed. That's enough to radicalize anyone. And so the radical left were able to spread like a virus throughout America because they were on the side of you not getting your head shot off in some godforsaken hellhole half a world away. The whole, the whole ex 
the very fact that we kept the draft after World War II is an outrage against American liberty. Well, I think, John, think about you know, the draft, the draft is one step ahead of slavery. You are being forced on penalty of imprisonment to do something you don't want to do. That should only happen in a grave national emergency, like when they're invading the actual United States. The fact that the Japanese attacked American soil in Pearl Harbor was the justification for introducing the military draft. There was no excuse for keeping it after 1945 and drafting men to fight in Korea and drafting men to fight in Vietnam. Here's a good test. If, if a war is not important enough that Americans will volunteer to fight in it, then it's not a war worth fighting. And you certainly have no right to draft, to enslave Americans, and send them over to fight on foreign shores because some elite, some Yale graduates, some people like George Bundy decide it would be in our geopolitical interests. So it was elites trying to pursue their own. They were like... You know the board game Risk? Apparently, George W. Bush used to play it obsessively in the dorms at Yale. Um, these elites are playing, were playing Risk with real American soldiers. And well, it was I think, again, what's fascinating to me is how they brilliantly divide left versus right, and so they get people taking sides. Meanwhile, all along, you know, the Uniparty, because when you're talking about these elite figures, McGeorge uh, uh, Bundy, uh, George Bush Sr., uh, McNamara, whoever, LBJ, Hoover, the, it's so fascinating to me how they were, they were the elites, they were the, 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 the power, they were, they, they were in the center of all of this manipulating everything. I mean, we know that LBJ was, uh, you know, he was no liberal, he was an un- incredible racist. Um, so it's complicated, folks, but it's worth it's worth the trouble. We're going to uh, come back to continue talking with John Zmirak. I want to remind you, please subscribe to our newsletter, ericmetaxas.com, uh, at the bottom of the page, because we've got lots more things that we want to share with you. Cannot do it on the program. ericmetaxas.com. We'll be right back. I'm talking to John Zmirak. What more do you need to know? John? So what I've been unfolding is, on the one hand, it sounds like a bunch of conspiracy theories. What kind of nut job is this? We all know conspiracy theories aren't true, right? The very term conspiracy theory was invented as propaganda by the CIA in order to dismiss people who criticize the Warren Commission. They invented the term conspiracy theory and and leaked it to friendly journalists. And let's remember the CIA had thousands of journalists on the payroll throughout the Cold War, supposedly to fight communism. But in fact, they ended up just basically doing the dirty work of whoever was in power in the White House. Um, Conspiracy theories. Well, there are false conspiracy theories, like the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, which was invented in like 1900 by a bigoted Russian who hated the Jews, who blamed 
Jews for all the problems of modern life and said that 13 rabbis gathered in a cemetery in Prague and planned the destruction of Western civilization. And their plan unfolded and created World War I and communism. Now, when this thing was released, it was taken very seriously. Winston Churchill said, we must investigate this to see if it is true. I mean, it was taken seriously, and it was utterly false. And in fact, we know what novel it was plagiarized from, okay? Another conspiracy theory that is not true is the 1619 Project. It's basically the protocols of the elders of Zion, but instead of Jews, the villains are white people. White slave owners in 1619 settled America in order to make it a big slave colony. And the American founders in 1776 declared independence because they were afraid George III was going to free the slaves. Now, George III never freed any slaves, showed no signs of wanting to free the slaves. It's completely made up. But it's a great tool for the New York Times and second-rate academics who got their jobs through affirmative action to promote themselves and to demonize our founders and our political system. They want to demonize it because it puts barriers on their power. They want to trash the Constitution because it's a barrier to them controlling you and me and controlling our children, taking our guns, closing our churches, forcibly vaccinating us, telling us how we can work, taking away our gas stoves, opening the borders to flood the country with docile campesinos from foreign countries who don't have any connection to our history and don't know our system, who are used to socialism and dictatorship, who they think will be docile and will follow orders and vote as they are told. And you know what, John? This is the history of corruption. In other words, this has happened uh, to immigrants throughout American history. Uh, if you come here now, now, you know, if you come uh, over the southern border, there are people there to tell you how to think, how to vote, what to do. And if you don't play ball, you're in big trouble. So you come under the thumb of these powerful groups, uh, drug cartels, you name it. But we had that in this country, of course. The Irish came over as soon as they get off the boat. There's somebody from Tammany Hall to tell them. Here's what you're going to do. We're going to protect you. It's no different than the mafia, which also did this to the Italian immigrants when they came right. off the boat. We're going to tell you what to do. We're going to tell you, you're going to get a job here. I'm going to give you a job here. If you don't play the ball, you don't eat. This is a battle we've been fighting in this country. And immigration, obviously, is one of those places where there's room for evil to get in. They get in and they say, you know what? When these people get off the boat, we're, they're going to work for us. They're not going to buy into the American dream and the vision. We don't want them to be educated so that they can have freedom. We want them to play ball and become part of our scheme to make money and to keep power. So this story gets told over and over and over. But again, this is not some wild conspiracy theory. This is... The Christian doctrine of original sin as applied to government. By default, governments tend to be corrupt. By default, people with power tend to abuse it. By default, elites tend to act in a conspiratorial fashion unless there's someone there to stop them. This is what happens. It happened in the Italian Renaissance. It happened in the Reformation and the Counter-Reformation and the French Revolution. It is what people do. It's like dogs in a butcher shop. 
Men, when they can grab power, they will, unless you have them on a leash. Our American system was designed to leash the dog to keep it from jumping on the counter and eating all the lamb chops. The left wants to take away the leash because they want the lamb chops. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm a believer in original sin, just like our founders. And I believe our system of government must control the people in power. We now live in a dystopian nightmare where a few people in a few corporations in collusion with the FBI and the World Health Organization can censor our speech about our medical future. I am permanently banned from Twitter, and I don't even know why. And it was done in secret, and there's no appeal. I will never be on Twitter again, and I don't even know what I did because somebody wrote an algorithm to suit someone at the FBI. I mean, honestly, this is what I'm saying is like the fact that we're talking about this, the fact that it has it's effectively come to a head. Uh, you know, we, we're we're uh, we've we've flushed the birds from the bushes and we can we can now see what is going on. And I think this is a good sign in a sense that things have boiled over to where people like Tucker Carlson are talking about this. We're talking about this and Americans are waking up to what we have been silently moving along with through the decades. It's finally boiled over uh, largely because of the advent of Donald Trump. Uh, And we're in a place now where we can talk about this. And John, I have to say this, Ladies and gentlemen, if you're any kind of a believer, if you're any kind of a Christian, for sure, you have to reckon with this thing called evil. Evil is not bad. It is satanic evil. It has existed since uh, our forefathers uh, ate the fruit in the garden. Evil has entered in, and we've been so blessed in America that we kind of pretend like, well, uh, we have bad stuff, but we don't have evil. When people are killing people, when COVID patients are dying because of decisions made by elites, we've really never seen this before. And we need to understand, yes, this has been happening. Yes, this is real. Yes, it is evil. Uh, And ultimately, it has a spiritual solution. But um, we'll talk more, talking to John Smirak, final segment. Hang on. Folks, welcome back. Final segment with John Smirak. And listen, if you promise to go to stream.org or to my Twitter feed and share John's article, uh, we can move on to something humorous and fun. Uh, John and I often talk about our dads. His dad has passed, but uh, my dad is 95 years old. And we, I mean, in my book, uh, Fish Out of Water, I tell many stories uh, uh, about my dad, uh, really uh, out of my love for him, but some of them are just absolutely hilarious. John, well, I know you wanted to share something you know, about what your What brings dad. this to mind is as we're trying to take this show, Eric keeps getting calls from his dad and going and, and yelling at him in Greek. I'm trying to do a radio show. Uh, <laughs> I wish my dad would appear, but his ghosts would appear to me while I'm trying to do the show. But my dad grew up in the Great Depression. And one thing I learned from him is if you pass a pile of furniture on the street, 
of course you have to look at it to see if any of it, you know, <laughs> should be brought, if you should bring it into your house. <laughs> it went about 10, 15 years ago, I moved into the next apartment building from my dad on the same street in Astoria, Queens. And I remember going to work and seeing this plastic lamp. It looked like something from an Italian restaurant in a mafia movie. It's one of those things with the oil, with the oil travels on the plastic. That's beat. a that's a lava lamp. Well, no, because it's outside. It's like it's not the oil travels on these strings, these little dots of oil. It's supposed to look fancy schmancy. Actually, I don't know this. This is sounds, sounds yeah, it's like, but it was and it was broken. OK, a broken plastic lamp from a mafia movie restaurant. And I go, huh, God, that's hideous. I come home. It's on my coffee table with no explanation. My father saw it. He had the key to my apartment. And he put it on my coffee table. <laughs> right. Holy cow. Without saying anything, I just take it and put it back in the garbage the same day. I come back from work and it is back on the coffee table. Now that now that is next level crazy. Now that that is very this, funny. At this point, I'm hoping it's my father and not some ancestral curse that now the lamp has found me and it will follow me for the rest of my life. I'm like. God, I hope this is dad. I hope this there's a human explanation. I'm like, dad, the lamp. He said, yeah, it looks perfect. Look, looks right in your apartment. If you look back, this is a, a background for my old apartment in, in Astoria. He said, yeah, it looks perfect, like a Turkish bordello. I said, dad, it's a piece of crap. It's broken. I'm throwing it out again. Don't put it back in the apartment. Well, about a couple of years later, my father dies, and I organize his wake and I, I get everybody to say the rosary for his soul. And after that, I have to give the eulogy. So I tell this story about the lamp, the magic lamp. And I say, so, so all of you here have come to honor my father's memory and pray for him. I just want you to do one thing for him. If you pass a pile of trash on the street, go take some of it home. It's what dad would have wanted. <laughs> and it's so true. Listen. I got a lot of stories like this with with my father. I I don't I don't want to tell them now, but the point is I get it, and I'm sure there are a lot of people listening right now. They get it. Unbelievable. I got this. Wait, wait. Did your father, when you went to a restaurant, just take all the sugar packets and put them in his pocket? Well, uh, I I'm gonna have to plead the fifth on that because my father's <laughs> still among us. Yeah. But uh, no, my father. I, I remember. I'll I'll say this briefly, just so you know. We, we because we lived in the suburbs, we didn't pass furniture on the sidewalk. Right. I mean, we lived in, in Connecticut. But one one uh, weekend coming home from church, he spotted a ton of leaves in in the leave bags. They had been raked up and put in bags in front of our the Miller's house. And he made us stop and pull over. And my brother and I in our Sunday clothes, take the leave bags, put them in the trunk, because he needed them for the compost pile. He wanted more <laughs> leaves. Our leaves weren't enough. We had to get the leaves oh. of neighbors. And my brother and I died of embarrassment. <laughs> but actually, we're still alive, so it worked out. John Zmerich, we love you. Thank you, folks. Thank Go you to stream.org. Keep listening. Yeah.